Hi, I'm Edgar Brown, CEO of FIT, and welcome to The Process. At FIT, we believe in empowerment through fitness because your health is truly your greatest asset. Each episode will bring you conversations from expert trainers and personalities who share their own fitness journeys and how they were able to grow in the four pillars of health, being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. We really want you, the audience, to learn from the stories of these individuals and in doing so, create your own process for becoming a better you. So today we're super excited to have on board a great member of the fitness community, Tori Borland. Just to give a little background, she runs a personal training business, Tori Borland Fitness, where she does personal training and teaches fitness classes at high-end studios such as Bolo. She also runs corporate classes at a variety of companies, including Deloitte. Her training style focuses on strength training, mobility, and high-intensity interval training, but she's much more than that. She really encourages her clients towards sustainable fitness and building a personalized routine that lasts over the long term. So thanks a lot, Tori, for taking the time today. Really thanks appreciate Thanks for having it. me. That was a, quite the introduction. That was good. <laughs> it's better than what I would say. <laughs> so I guess to start off, why don't you tell us about your own journey into personal fitness and then into your career? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've always been super into sports, played sports all through um, high school, uh, university, um, played intramurals as well. I, you know, couldn't balance the whole varsity and school thing, so I stayed active. I got into um, phys ed at Queen's University um, and uh, thought I would be a high school gym teacher. Wow. Um, I obviously didn't go that route. We learned in our practicum courses uh, weight training. We learned a lot of um, sports and conditioning stuff in those practicals, and I fell in love with it. Um, so naturally, when I graduated, um, I kind of got into personal training, um, working for gyms, and then eventually venturing out on my own. Um, but my love for sports, uh, love for fitness, and the positive impact that it had on my life is what has, has made me dedicate my career to training. I'm interested to know from uh, an educational perspective, so like a lot of people, let's say, they just get into training on their own. They try things that work and try other things that don't. But from like an academic uh, physical education background, like how would you say that that's translated? I guess um, learning, like I actually got into weight training in high school. This is all coming back to me now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I used to run track, I used to do short distance and we'd have two days a week where we were doing dryland training and strength training. That's where I fell in love with weight training, actually. Um, I ended up getting a membership at like a local rec center when I was 15 and going there on my own time as well yeah. to do my weight training. Um, but from an educational perspective, um, a big part of my training is educating my clients on proper form, proper training, how to not overtrain, and like how to make those changes to their body. And that's the reason why they ultimately hire a trainer is because they right. want to look better. Along the way, they start to feel better. Um, but I guess going back into that question of how does education fall into it, like I really think it's just um, the passion that I have for fitness, for training, stems from my like love to educate people on fitness and training. 
if that answers the question. Yeah. <laughs> no, so it was, it was more about like the educational background. So again, uh-huh. some people, like let's say some trainers are people who just like experimented with things on their own, but versus you having like an academic background, which nice. some people would say is really important, but yes. some people would say is okay. not. So it was more around that. Yeah. Uh, I th- didn't realize how valuable my education was until I started training. So I'll be talking to a client or I'll be teaching a class and all of a sudden something that I learned in those four years of undergrad from like the back of my brain all of a sudden just like comes out like verbal diarrhea and I'm just like talking stuff that I didn't even know I knew. Um, So I think that's probably been the biggest asset to having an education and having a degree in in physical education is that um, like knowledge that I I didn't even realize I retained. Yeah. You know, you have, have an example of that? Um, yeah, let me think. Um, yeah, you know, even things like, um, so training body parts. Let's say someone's training and they want to train sort of strength training t- style, bodybuilding style. I'm going to tell them, okay, we've got leg day Monday. Um, you're going to wait 48 hours but not less than 72 hours before you train legs again. And I say that out loud and I'm like, what? Yeah. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? You could go online and figure that out, but that was just something that I just had remembered from one of my physiology classes. Mm-hmm. Or even um, all the stuff I learned about um, energy systems. So for a sprinter, you know, you've got, let's say you're doing a Tabata set. You have 20 seconds to go as hard as you can. Once you go past that 20-second point, your, your body taps into a different energy system. Mm-hmm. So if you want someone to go as hard as they can, you better make sure that they're working for less than 20 seconds. Uh huh. Because that's your. I'm not gonna say the word right right now, so I'm gonna say it. But that's the first, like, kind of sprinting energy system, that's gonna go 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 go. Then you're moving into more aerobic and endurance. So as a trainer, as a coach, that's so important to have that, that knowledge. You can't put someone on a bike and say go as hard as you can for, a minute. That's you got to bring that down to about eighty percent. If you want really someone to like go all at max, you got to know your the, the human body and. And where it gets its energy from. Yeah, and really know it from the fundamentals. Yeah. So that's actually been really exciting in my career as a personal trainer to actually put that knowledge to use. Um, Because I think sometimes people do complain that in an undergrad, you go out into the world and you actually feel like you're not applying the knowledge that you learned in undergrad. Um, So that's something I'm really, like, lucky that I get to do. Yeah, that sounds yeah. super Especially interesting. Especially when it surprises me, too, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just call <laughs> yeah. back that one thing yeah. for sure. Exactly. No, that definitely answers my question. And it kind of transitions into the second one, which was, I'm sure, as you know, the personal training business is really competitive. Mm-hmm. Like every day there's another trainer, there's someone else. But um, it was about how you differentiate yourself. And I'm sure that a lot of that background, like the deep knowledge that you were just uh, giving an example of plays into that. I think um, that knowledge can be right now with social media and Instagram especially, it can be very underappreciated and undervalued. Um, but if you're serious about your training and you're serious about working out and not getting injured, you have to do the research and you have to make sure that some of the person that you hire, the class you go to, is going to ensure that you're going to get the most out of that training. At the end of the day, you're paying a lot of money if you are going to invest in a trainer. Um, you want to make sure you're hiring someone, make sure that they know everything too. I mean, not everything. No one knows everything. And that's another huge part of it, being a trainer too. It's understanding that you don't know everything. 
Um, you know, if I have a client who has said injury and I have an idea of what it is, I'm not going to say what it is. I'm going to refer them out to someone who can actually make sure that that's what it is. Yeah. Um, not going beyond your scope and just like being real with yourself. It's so easy to compare yourself to other trainers and their experiences and their successes. No one is successful overnight. I certainly wasn't. I still have way more I want to do and I more I want to grow, more I want to learn. Yeah. I think that plays into what you, you mentioned before about Instagram too and the whole comparison aspect um, from like people who, who want to get fit and then they see this image of someone who yeah. is and they want that overnight. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about this, how it's, you don't know someone's behind the scenes. You know, when I did my fitness shows, I did a couple photo shoots um, when I was at the leanest point in my life. Uh, I knew how to train for those photo shoots. Um, I knew exactly how to manipulate my macro intake to look my leanest on those days I was doing photo shoots, um, right? And then on the show day, or say on the day someone's doing a photo shoot, they might stop drinking water 24 hours out of their show, out of their photo shoot. And then they post a photo online saying, I can get you here you're not gonna you're not gonna get there um and it's it's really sad that that people are misleading people and giving false information false advertising because the general public doesn't know that they don't know that that photo of someone at 12 13 percent body fat female or eight percent male like it's it's not attainable for the average person and it's not sustainable you can attain that for one two three days maybe a week and then at some point you gotta you gotta start you know, being healthy again. Yeah, you have to take, yeah, have to take a step back and, and really adapt, adapt yourself, right? Because you need something, as you said, that's sustainable yes. over the long term, not yeah. about just like right now. And that's a key concept in my, in my training, in my coaching, is sustainability. Um, is the program that I'm giving you now going to be something that you can continue to do hopefully, for many years and years and years, as we add on, as we make it harder, as we, you know, take off a little bit, as life gets stressful, just being able to continue your working out and continue your fitness in that sustainable way. Yeah. So how would you build that then from the ground up? So let's say I'm a client who comes in for the first time and you want to build something that's sustainable over the long term. What would your process be? I'm going to, like, sit down with them, go over their goals, um, you know, find out why, of course, they've chosen to hire me as their trainer. Find out their fitness background. That's huge, too. Um, I get people in who have never worked out in their lives. They haven't played sports. Their training is going to be very different. If you're 30 years old and you've never worked out in your life, it's going to be a much slower process um, to get that athletic conditioning, to get your mind-muscle connection firing again than someone who's played sports and been active for most of their life. Um, so obviously, like finding their fitness background would be the first thing I do. Um, then sort of assessment, uh, you know, the first workout, just seeing what they physically can do, how their body moves. Do their knees cave in when they're doing a squat? Can they hold a plank properly? I give them a cue. Can they adjust according to my cue, or do I actually need to go in there and physically move them? That's going to tell me a lot about how their training is going to go. Um, also factors outside of their life. Like I need to know, like, what do you do? in the hour that you're not with me. There's 24 hours in a day. Are you getting 78 hours sleep? Or are you getting four hours? Are you drinking water? Or are you drinking coffee all day? Because if you're not getting enough sleep and you're not drinking enough water, you could train all you want, but it, it's, nothing's gonna change. 
Um, so there's so much more to fitness than just like the physical working out part. Um, so that's part of my assessment too, trying to make those lifestyle changes. And then, and then moving forward as like, you know, I've got some clients who have been working with for years and years and years, um, developing a program that I can change, you know, going, starting with strength and then moving into endurance, maybe a little bit of performance-based stuff, having fun with it, but also making sure that we're constantly um, changing it, not constantly, um, but changing it, progressing it as we go to make sure it's not getting easier, to make sure it's not too difficult. And again, like I said, to make sure it's something that they can keep up on their own as well. Do you find that uh, that clients react well to like the holistic style of training or it's something that you need to kind of educate them on? It's something. I think some people come into training with a mindset that we're here to work out, we're here to work hard, just make me sweat. And I'll do that. But along the way, like I said, the sleep, the water, the what are you doing with the rest of your day, that I think makes more of a difference um, in their results and in their um, success and training than just that hour with me. Um, and it does not, not everyone gets it. Most people do, or most, most people want to make those changes. Um, not everyone does. I would like everyone to, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think people do, once they start making those changes, they do see how it is a holistic experience with me. Um, but they have to start making those changes first before they understand for the most part. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like it, it plays into how you said before, there are some people who've had the experience either in doing a, a sport for school or something like that, where at least they would have something that's performance-based. Yeah. And then once you have that, they know that, let's say, in my experience, because I, I played varsity uh, basketball for McGill, so if you sleep, five four hours a night the next morning for practice or the next game it's, <laughs> it's not, not gonna go well, go well. <laughs> and it's the same thing yeah. for uh for fitness if you want to yeah. get that extra rep if you want to lift heavy weights or if you just want to feel good yeah. uh it's it's all based yeah. on the rest and the thing about that too is as a trainer you kind of have to be ready to go on the fly i could walk into a training session and have one plan ready to go my client walks in they're like oh i didn't sleep last night you know got four hours sleep, well, guess what? The training plan I had and ready to go, you're not gonna be able to do it. So I have to be able to change that on the fly um, and be okay with it. Um, I think it, you have to, as a, as a trainer, you have to be able to adapt and just go with the flow on the fly. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Uh, would you find that that's the most challenging thing or what would the most challenging thing not thing changing be on the fly. when it comes I'm, to training clients? I'm fine with doing that. Um, I've been training for like eight years now, and it's it's something that comes naturally to me now. The hardest thing uh, for me um, is is like we talked about before is getting my clients to make those other changes in their lives. Yeah. It really is the hardest. We live in a very busy city. Um, it's expensive to live here. We work hard, and. Sometimes your, your health outside of fitness, outside of work, starts to suffer. You're not getting enough sleep. You're not eating right. You're not drinking enough water. So that's probably the biggest challenge I have with my clients. It's just, just getting them to, to make those lifestyle changes that will actually enhance their fitness performance. Right. And we kind of talked about that before as well, how a lot of these people are 
let's say, lawyers or entrepreneurs whose lifestyle is designed around work. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually went to a, a talk yesterday at Tech Toronto where one of the talks was on like employee and, and founder wellness. And it was this guy who normally he would book his entire schedule from, let's say, 8 to 10 p.m. or longer, like 100-hour weeks, 120-hour weeks. Um, and it started to affect his decision-making because as the leader of a company, then everything else uh, comes from how you're acting, how you're treating your employees and how you're making decisions. So he started booking. It's actually very similar to what you did. He started booking 12 to 3, no meetings, complete break, um, and then seeing how that translated. Yeah, I think people are realizing that there needs to be a balance between um, life and work because your health will suffer. Um, and I, like I said before, I do some corporate training and co- big companies are now and small companies too are implementing, you know, um, free, free uh, fitness training on site. A lot of places will give you free gym membership, but that doesn't always translate into people going. But when you have those services and you have those boot camps, training sessions available on site, I think it's like a huge benefit to employees and you're as an employer, your productivity level of your employees is going to skyrocket. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So switching gears a little bit, we did a little bit of research into your background and found that you spent two years at the Y swimming or coaching swimming to kids with disabilities. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. What did you take away from that time? Um, those were some fun times. Uh, that was during undergrad. I also worked at the Y at that time, and I just sort of got, like, fell into the volunteering role. Um, Taught me how, like, resilient people are. These kids were amazing. Like, they would train every day, in the morning, in the evening, um, despite their physical limitations. Um, uh, It was just so inspiring. And it's one of those things that I'll never forget as an experience, and it's something I'm actually looking to sort of get involved in again here in the city, um, whether it's with something like that or just um, coaching kids again, because um, I had so much fun with them. They're, they they want to be really good at what they do. Um, and I can't say that for all adults. <laughs> I really can't. I don't think everyone wants to be amazing, but these kids did. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, it was a really cool experience. Um, it didn't matter how fast you swam. You know, finishing your 100-meter IM or your 50-meter freestyle, finishing it for some of these kids was amazing. And um, also the friendships that that team had. Like, I've never seen a group so close in my life. So that was a, that was a really good experience to have uh, in my undergrad. Yeah, I'm sure it just gave you a lot of perspective in general. Yeah. Um, whether, as you said, like, they cared about just, just finishing rather than you having all these specifics or, um, a lot of pressure that some people put on. Right. Like, you know, now losing five pounds is like what people want. These kids just want to swim and they just want to do well and, and finish the race. And, um, a lot of these, a lot of these, um, athletes went on to nationals they were like a very talented group. Um, oh, why can't I think of her name? The woman who runs the swim team, Vicky Keith. She's a very well-known uh, Canadian swimmer. She's done a lot of lake 
swims and things like that. So she was a really, really cool inspiration and mentor to work with as well. Um, the way she coached these kids as if they didn't have any physical disability. Wow. Like, she, it was, get in the water, you know, you're late, you're swimming. Like, it, it didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. And I think, actually, looking back on that experience, the excuses that we give ourselves as able-bodied people, it, it must drive people with physical limitations crazy because we have the opportunity to do so much, um, but we somehow find these excuses not to. Yeah. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's so interesting, but it's it's very true. Um, just coming, there's always something. There's always some reason why you can't do something. Yeah. Um, whereas if you don't have that opportunity, you just find a way to get it done. Yeah, exactly. Whether you're swimming with just your arms, or, you know, like it was just yeah, crazy inspiring. Thanks yeah. for bringing that up again because it's yeah, like no yes, problem. that was a really cool time <laughs> in my life. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, moving into one of the last things, um, can you talk about uh, what uh, animal flow or primal flow, what yeah. exactly that is? So animal flow is a, it's a training style developed by Mike Fitch, who's from the States. Um, it's really gained traction because of its um, ability to use body weight, um, mobility, Strength. It has changed my mobility, like it's like my mobility is one eighty. Um, I was having a lot of hip problems about two years ago. I couldn't run. Uh, walking was painful at times, um, and it was right after I had been training for fitness shows, and I think just a lot of pressure on my body, plus not stretching. young and silly Um, I got really injured and no one could tell me why Uh, they were just oh you're tight so I got into animal flow because um, it felt like yoga elevated like yoga on steroids you weren't just holding a position you were moving through positions in ways your body normally wouldn't Um, and that's what really got me hooked is because I was like wow like I'm not good at this um and I wanted to get better at it, and that's how I got involved with it. So animal flow is basically like, you know, you actually use the animal names. You've got crab, beast, scorpion, all these things. They are animal names, um, but it's just the names call out. It's like, you know, like step your right foot through, go to crab, you know. and Once you learn the lingo, you can actually flow with an entire group. I have a really cool video actually on my Instagram somewhere of a group of like 12 people Without doing any call-outs, all of us practiced a flow and just started doing it together. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool. I'll show you guys that. If you yeah. want to say your Instagram handle, just so the viewers can check it out. Spelled T-O-R-R-I-E-B-Fit. Okay. And then you said what it does for you as a fitness discipline is really just giving you that mobility yeah. and taking yeah. you through it's actions ranges. that you wouldn't normally do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, especially for my hips and shoulders. Um, yeah, it's been a game changer, and I do a lot of it with my clients now. You know, I might do a strength set, and then their active recovery might be some animal flow in between. And you'd be so shocked at how sweaty you get and how much your heart rate goes up just from doing uh, these movements. I had a client this morning, and we did a burnout at the end. It was just, you know, if you know animal flow, it was uh, side kick throughs um, and squats, and she got through a couple rounds. It was like, why am I so tired? Because you're doing animal flow. It's not easy. Like, yeah. it, you know, you look at it, you think it's going to be easy, and it's, it's really, really not. It's a very humbling 
very humbling um, mod- like fitness mod- modality. Definitely. Do people, are people receptive to this, like the first time that they try it? It's funny. Uh, I think as I progress as a trainer in animal flow, um, I'm getting a better response to it as I get more comfortable teaching it. Um, this past weekend, I taught it to an outdoor group of two groups of about 30 in each group, and they loved it. Or said they did at least. And um, <laughs> and they, they're looking to, you know, do more of it. So hopefully that's something I can kind of venture down and do some outdoor workshops and pop-ups like that in the summer and get people into it. I think the biggest thing for Animal Flow is doing it more than once. Your first time is going to be like, what the heck is happening? Like your, your body doesn't know you. Because you have to connect your brain to your body and all these like things I'm telling you to do. Do it a couple times and you will be hooked. Try it once. You might not be, so I really do encourage people to give it a couple, a couple times. Well, definitely, or I'll personally definitely have to try it out yeah. sometime soon. Yeah. Okay, great. So we're getting to the end of the podcast today. We just wanted to ask a few final questions that we're trying to ask everyone who comes on the podcast. So the first thing would be, uh, fit as a company is really all about empowerment. So helping people. Um, really just achieve their best selves through health and fitness and then giving people with the knowledge the platform to do that as well to help those people. So the first question would be, what does empowerment mean to you? Feeling like you can do anything. I think empowerment is, yeah, just that feeling of you can accomplish anything. Um, You know, there might be roadblocks, but ultimately at the end of the day, you believe in yourself that you can do it. Um, and own what you're doing, like own it. You know, if you've got a goal and you want to start working out five times a week, let's say fitness, like fitness goals here, working out five times a week, sleeping eight hours a night, knowing that you can do it, like that's empowerment, you know, or that's another example I can think of. I don't know. I think that's my answer. That was a great one. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's you know, knowing that you like own something, do it. Like, do it with passion. Do it with excitement. Own it. Yeah, own it. Hundred yeah. percent. And then, as a follow up to that, what would be one goal that you have in your life that you're personally working towards right now? Um. You know, we talked about how. Fitness is huge right now, and it's great. Um, people have their experiences. They gain traction and engagement online. Um, and it's, there's a difference between, you know, selling something and having lots of followers versus having those few amazing clients or getting known in the industry by other industry professionals as a fantastic trainer like she knows her shit she's she's she knows what she's doing she's good at it you know that's Tori that's Tori be fit no No, I also really want to I've also um developed uh what I want to be my business called phys ed department uh and that is basically where I want my career to go whether it's hiring trainers running outdoor workshops um, just being a bigger than Tori, like having an actual brand that and can include more than just myself yeah. so that I can collaborate with others. I can hopefully um, mentor other up-and-coming fitness trainers and even have the ability to be mentored myself because there's always more to learn. Yeah, definitely. Always. 
I got a few goals. Yeah, you do. I got a few goals. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on. Go That's on. great. Yeah. That's great. Um, and I guess this is kind of a, a twist. So our, our question of the day today, since we'll do one daily question that switches up every time, uh, I'm interested to know the answer to this. So if you weren't pursuing fitness as a career, then what would you do? Interior design. Really? Yes. It's always something I have loved. Um, I love, you know, picking up a style in home magazine. Um, it's totally unfitness related, but I love design and interior decorating and, um, you know, put me in a home sense. I mean, that's very like budget. <laughs> no, let's, let's go to CB2 or like yeah. something, some King East, one of those cool stores, scratch home sense. But I just, I love like, yeah, that would be what I would do. Okay, well, thank you so much for giving your time today. Thank you for we really me. appreciated having you. And uh, I guess I'll just end it off by saying stay tuned for future trainers. Uh, Tori did an amazing job today. We learned so much about uh, holistic training, about animal flow in that discipline, um, as well as just her definition of empowerment and how she brings that to the clients that she works with so thanks again Tori thank you and we'll see you guys next time we really enjoy bringing you these stories because at the end of the day each person has a unique journey and why not share that with the world we could all stand to learn from one another because each individual path has lessons in it that we can take and apply to our own lives the process is produced by fit a mobile streaming platform for in-home fitness classes. We thrive on giving people the ability to make one step towards their goals every day by taking on new challenges in their personal fitness journeys. We're excited to welcome you to the Fit family, so download our app on the App Store today. Thank you for listening, and see you on the next episode of The Process.